Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said, I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Ken Barkley in just a moment, but I wanted to pass along the official announcement from Major League Baseball. Of course, they leak it to the national guys. That's how they operate. Uh, But here's the memo from MLB. Commissioner Rob Manfred announced today that Major League Baseball anticipates beginning its 2020 regular season approximately one month from today on July 23rd or July 24th. The announcement follows confirmation that the MLBPA has accepted the health and safety protocols that will guide MLB's return to play and that players will be able to report for training by July 1st. Okay, uh, moving ahead. MLB has submitted a 60-game regular season schedule for review by the Players Association. The proposed schedule will largely feature divisional play with the remaining portion of each club's games against their opposite league's corresponding geographical division. Okay, so East versus East, Central versus Central, West versus West in order to mitigate travel. The vast majority of major league clubs are expected to conduct training at the ballparks in their primary home cities. One third of major league baseball in Florida, Arizona, Texas, and California. Just want to throw that in. Joe Ostrowski here, Sports Radio 670. The score, let's go out to the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Shop over 500 new and used vehicles at Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. We welcome in Ken Barkley. Follow him on Twitter, at Lockie Lockerson. What's going on, Ken? Not much, Joe. How you doing? I appreciate uh Actually, I hadn't heard the baseball statement yet. I knew baseball was back. But, uh, you know, just listen to all the hoops they have to jump through. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I'm really curious to see what happens. Um, 
so the odds on favorite is they don't finish the season, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think with any sport that's not the one we're about to talk about, really, or UFC or boxing or, you know, some of the other kind of fringe sub motorsports, uh, with those exceptions, I think any professional league is going to have a really, really, if there's physical contact involved in your sport or anything, you're going to have a really hard time, yeah. I think, pre-vaccine trying to get something going. I think the recent stats kind of bear that out. Yeah, and they're trying to get 60 games in a matter of 66 days. Uh, there's going to be a lot of challenges, but at least uh, they're giving it a go. Even though we should be seeing baseball in a, in a week, instead we're going to see it uh, in a month here. So these MLB win totals are going to come up. We'll get to the golf and break that down in just a second. But the, you know that these books, uh, looking for some action on anything recently, uh, they're going to post 60-game win totals. Are you even going to – are you going to do any homework on them? How about that? I've, I've thought about it. I've thought about what happens when some of these, like, adjusted markets open, basically, adjusted futures, adjusted props for, you know, the way you would simulate a season isn't even close to the same way you would simulate this season. Maybe that means more edges. Maybe that means nobody has any idea what's going to happen. Um, makes it kind of interesting. But, yeah, anytime there's always a lot of uncertainty, that means the market's not very stable, which means, yeah, I mean, if you're the guy who can find the edge that, that no one else finds before everyone realizes it, like, you don't have to be right. When we talk about golf in a second, that's, this is going to be true, too. You don't have to be right in terms of predict the exact score, predict the exact number of wins. You just have to beat the market number. Like, that's the goal. The goal is not to be 100% accurate. The goal is to just beat the market number. Maybe we can do that with baseball. With, with that small sample size, the, the majority are going to be, obviously, high 20s, low 30s, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, over the course of a 162-game season, you know, you like you would see, obviously, like, you know, mid-60% teams would be, your, like, your excellent, you know, teams, obviously. You just, I mean, you can, you know, you can kind of apply some of the same philosophy. You could even look at, you know, what was break the break last season into quarters, basically. Like, what were the Dodgers first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter last year? Those kind of spreads, those kind of, like, that kind of volatility in terms of record – you know, that's kind of what you could see in a 40-game season, provided, you know, pitchers are healthy and everything for a team. Uh, when you project forward, it's, it's like a completely different toolbox that you'll need. I'm, I, you're, you're kind of talking me into trying to figure it out. I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to take the time. i got a lot of golf on the plate, but you're, you're, you're making yeah. a strong sell right now. You're making a pretty good case. Look, man, I mean, we, we know what's going to happen. Like, we, we're betters at heart. We look at it, and we probably shouldn't bet on Major League win totals in a 60-game season. But that's why I asked if you're going to at least do the research, because I know you're going to do the research and see if you have an edge somewhere. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i give it a shot, and, uh, and we'll see. And let's, let's see what books post, too, you know. Or if, yeah. you're, if you're a sports book, like, you're not – I know you make money by writing bets in general. At least a lot of the major, major, major books do. But – you know, you're also not one to just like want to write terrible bets and not have any idea, you know, what's going on. And normally you'd, you know, the market will shape whether you're right or you're wrong when you're a bookmaker and you put stuff up. But I'm not sure the market has any clue what's going to happen here either. So, I mean, it really could be the Wild West when some of this stuff comes out. With Ken Barkley, Sports Radio 670, the score. You may have heard him on Radio.com Sports. You better, you bet. Once in a great while, I'll, uh, I'll, co-host with them maybe we'll do that again uh if we ever Absolutely. return to the show right exactly <laughs> Let, let's get maybe a in december <laughs> january or something we'll kick we'll kick, kick the tires on some more you better you best right yeah when everybody else is on vacation um let's talk about golf man you are making up for lost time congratulations with the pga tour we have two weeks and we have two outright winners 
from at Lockie Lockerson on Twitter. Uh, since, I'm assuming since we have fewer sports that you're investing much more time into the golf. You're talking to more people, uh, figuring out your process. Has much changed to how you bet on golf or how you looked at golf in previous years? Yeah, absolutely. So this is this is a first-time sport for me in terms of taking it very seriously. This is we're we're in the infancy here, and it's uh, you know probably going to get a little overconfident now that we've won two tournaments in a row. Head-to-heads are winning at a at an excellent clip. That's you know the market obviously where you bet on one golfer versus another for the tournament. That's going very well. That's generally a good measure of of you know whether you sort of have an advantage in the market or not to be able to win uh, betting head-to-heads. But this is this is all the first for me. So during during COVID hiatus. I tried to just kind of figure out what would be the first thing to come back and what should I spend all my time building? And, you know, obviously you drop college sports immediately. We, you know, we feel the least confident those are going to come back. I dropped baseball immediately. I thought they had no chance, especially with the labor strike going on. And you kind of, I kind of ended up settling on golf for about nine weeks. I just kept building new tools, gathering more data, organizing it, studying it, making charts, like figuring out how the markets work. And, you know, I think, you know, the good news is the results, you know, have, have borne out really well the first two weeks. And, you know, we'll try to try to do the same thing as we go into the travelers here in Connecticut. I mean, Ken, I think we were talking uh, before COVID-19 shut down uh, one night on You Better You Bet. And, and you mentioned that you didn't bet a lot of golf. And that just really uh, shocked me. But I know that you focus so much on NBA and college basketball, of course, college football, and everybody does the NFL. But it really shocked me because this this is now, when you look at all the stats that are available, all the different numbers that a lot of people don't even know about, this is kind of like the ultimate data sport. Yeah, there's, there's I mean, just so much to go into. I think you make a really good point. I also, I mean, what a what a nice sort of dichotomy or a nice contrast where you read the baseball statement and, you know, you think about, like, what are we really going to see from a lot of these professional sports? I think golf is kind of having a moment a little bit here where it has the stage kind of all to itself. You have, you know, obviously UFC and motorsports and some stuff going on, but really, you know, Premier League soccer and Europe's playing soccer again, but golf really kind of has a stage here. And the first two tournaments have been incredibly dramatic. You have some storylines that are interesting, obviously, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, who we'll talk about at some point is, I mean, just a human wrecking ball now, and just the visual of that is almost has almost captured a lot of sports fans' attention. So, you know, golf really yeah. kind of having a moment, and, and you mentioned the data real quick. Yeah, there are, if you like taking statistics and trying to figure out which ones are predictive and which ones aren't and which ones matter and which ones don't and those kind of things, golf has a never-ending supply of statistics that you can use to try to answer some of those questions. So we've got travelers starting on Thursday morning, uh, somewhat close to you in Connecticut. Shez Reavy, your winner last year. Uh, how do we break this one down? Because uh, the stuff that you look at should change from course to course. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, spoiler alert, Shez Reavy, probably not your winner this year because the field <laughs> probably a little bit more difficult. Uh, I mean, you know, for people who, especially people who are just like, oh, I'm kind of into golf now. What's up with this tournament? Like, I don't really watch a lot normally. This is we're, – we're in a string of tournaments that are generally throwaway tournaments because they're placed around majors or, or other prominent tournaments throughout the calendar year. Now, with COVID and the reorganization of the calendar, all of these have now occurred consecutively, and it's you know, kind of shown a light on these tournaments when previously there was not a light shown on them because every single amazing golfer is playing in them, and that generally doesn't happen. Travelers is generally a tournament that takes place the week after the U.S. Open – I mean, they get some names. It's not nobody's, but it's also not 
you know, 38 of the best 40 players in the world, like what we have right now, basically, or, you know, 28 of the best 30, it's way different. And we have to realize, same thing with these last two courses, we're just seeing lights out scoring because the quality of the field has improved to such a high degree. Normally we're talking about, you know, with these courses, it's, it's the composition, the field is a little bit easier. The golfers aren't as good. So we're talking about strategic shot selection and, you know, wind, is that going to be a factor? You know, Pete Dye courses, which basically just mean driving distance, not a factor as much as they would be on some other courses. So you're like, okay, who are kind of like the approach shot guys? You know, these are how like kind of the casual better is approaching it. And then all these top golfers are just wrecking these courses. I mean, just absolute laying waste to greens and regulation. I think Abe answer hit every, I think he's still hitting greens and regulation uh, at Harbor town. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to be that kind of week again, travelers at, uh, at TPC river Highlands and here in Cromo about 45 minutes away. This is a course where I think the last three years it's played as the easiest course on tour. I think Reavy shot a little under 20 under to win the tournament last year. And that's Ches Reavy and none of these guys. So, I mean, the fact that you have this field, it's going to be, if you liked last week, birdies, ton of scoring, made putts, great shot making. This course sets up for, I think, a lot more of the same. A, a great point about these last couple of weeks and about typically the best players in the world are not playing these tournaments. So what does what does that mean for the better? Well, it means some great opportunity. Maybe you can get a burger ticket at 80 to 1 like you had a couple of weeks ago because uh, those middle guys where you, you find a lot of winners, some of those numbers are going to be inflated because people are, are drawn into the very top of the board. Right, absolutely. And, and when, we, when we talk about prices in a second, let's kind of remember, you know, let's kind of get everybody on the same page about what a price really means, right? It's sort of the implied probability that you're going to win the tournament. So if you have a price at, you know, five to one, the market is saying you have a certain percentage chance, about 15, 16% chance to win the tournament, right? So you would only make that bet if you thought that guy had a better percentage chance than that to win the tournament. And what you're saying about all the field and all the good golfers coming in and everything, you have Rory, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Webb Simpson, Bryson, obviously, uh, Patrick Reed, all these guys, when they're all in, like there's only so much win probability that you can, that you can right. put in. And obviously in the market, the numbers add up to way more than hundred percent. That's called the hold. And that's what, you know, that's how the bookmaker kind of makes money dealing the market. But even, even that notwithstanding, there's always so much win probability. And when you have so many good golfers in the field, the prices can only be so low on every single one of them. I mean, we saw two weeks ago, Dustin Johnson was trading at like 50 to one to win the tournament. Obviously, you know, coming up the knee injury, we saw Justin Rose trading at 40, 50 to one, Jason day, who obviously has struggled, but Jason Day is more than 100 to 1 to win this tournament because, again, like just the quality of the names, guys coming in, Paul Casey playing in this tournament, didn't play the last two weeks. Patrick Cantlay playing in this tournament. He's a top 20 player. He's a top 15 player. You know, he's going to eat some of that win probability. So there are, there are going to be prices to be found. This isn't, you know, Rory and a bunch of nobodies or something. So very competitive, and that makes betting on it really fun. Uh, with Ken Barkley on Sports Radio 670, the score you you find Ken from time to time on You Better You Bet. He will return uh, at some point, uh, but you you can also find his work on Patreon. The link is on his Twitter account at Lockie Lockerson. Uh, puts out some of his great picks. I want to talk about your outright strategy because there are many different ways to do this. There are some people that pick five to six golfers. Some people go in on one or two, which is kind of like needle in a haystack stuff when you talk about these stacked fields. Uh, what is your outright strategy that has worked for you early on? Uh, basically, I run a, 
uh, sort of a giant simulation. I, I create numbers for each golfer in the field. So this week, that's whatever, 152. I think I ended up creating numbers for like 148. Brooks Kepka's brother, don't really have a lot of data on him to, to go off of, although his qualifier, I think, was just down the road from here, basically. I could have probably could have gone Casey? to see him. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I actually, I, oh, I had a really good story about the other qualifier, but I can't remember right now that there was, it was, anyway, it was kind of like a, it was a, it was a crazy day here in Connecticut, basically on Monday with those two guys making it. So anyway, you make a number on each golfer, kind of try to figure out, uh, you know, a, a score, a rating for each one. You simulate the tournament a, a number of times and you try to figure out the probability each golfer will win. And wherever, wherever the value lies, that's how many golfers I'll bet, basically. Uh, I'm looking for about like a 1% edge or more versus what the market has listed. And, you know, some weeks that's three guys, some weeks that's nine guys, some weeks that's, you know, you just basically try to stagger the amounts. You're basically creating what I like to call is like a basket of futures bets that all pay the same no matter who wins. So, for example, okay. last week I think I had uh, I had five golfers. I had Sung J.M. and Patrick Reed, who both missed the cut, but then also had Bryson, Daniel Berger, and Webb Simpson. And you might be like, well, wait, all five of those guys, what did that pay? Well, if you, if you had equal to win amounts at whatever the best prices were listed, you basically got about, you know, between plus 350 and plus 450, between four to one and five to one on your money if any of those golfers won. So that's kind of how I'm building generally. And, you know, you, you hear 90 to one, you think, oh, my God, like a million dollars, you must have won so much money. But, you know, generally I think that you're going to be able to find more than one golfer with a little bit of an edge in the field, and you just kind of stack those guys together as best you can, you know, to create, you know, the, the most profitable basket of futures possible, basically. Uh, which golfers do you like this weekend? I, I, I was waiting for the question. I was waiting to just, you know, rattle off some – some things that stick out this week. I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get just a rash of crap from some of our common friends and stuff. If, if this guy really bombs out this weekend, because uh, you know, first two tournaments, I run the simulation. The prices all look very normal. They're pretty close to the market. Everything seems like it's working. Okay. Right. You know, maybe 1% off here, 2% off here. So I run the simulation for this tournament and I had to run it again. And then again, just to make sure that I was seeing it correctly. It's like, wait, 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 what, what's going on here? Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is currently listed around between 11 to one and 12 to one to win the tournament. That means the market thinks, you know, he's going to win. You have to think he's going to win more than about eight, eight and a half percent of the time. If you want to make that bet, that would be a valuable bet. If you thought he was going to win more than 8% of the time, I think he's going to win 16% of the time in my simulation. That is by light years, the largest edge I've had in the three tournaments so far previous largest edge was probably like two and a half percent or something on Daniel Berger a couple weeks ago. And I just, it's, it's formed by the fact that all of his numbers, especially this is heavily weighted toward recent form. So since they've gotten back, but even, you know, 20, 25, 30 rounds before that, his numbers just are light years better than everyone else's. His numbers blow away Rory and Justin Thomas, who are the next two most likely winners and Rom, who actually has not been particularly amazing and Webb Simpson who missed the cut two weeks ago. So, I mean, it, again, it's just, while all these guys have stumbled in some way, shape or form, maybe with the exception of Justin Thomas, Bryson is just mashing and is consistently mashing and his numbers have only gotten better really. So maybe unsurprisingly, I guess, but just to have that big of a difference is, is weird for me. And so, I mean, obviously Bryson is uh, an easy bet for me this week. There's nothing to do with him being the mad scientist. No, and nothing to do with him transforming into the Incredible Hulk. True story, he did play a practice round today. So many people might have seen this on Twitter. Uh, travelers, much like we saw last week with Brooks Kepka 
par four hits the, you know, drives it on the green, basically on a par four. There's a couple holes like that at this course that lend itself to that behavior. If you want to take that approach or strategy and Bryson tried to drive it over water on a 400 yard par four today and actually cleared the green and went like into the rough, like got over the water. And then after the round was like, ah, like it's too risky to do it in an actual round. So I'm not sure, but just to give you kind of a sneak peek of, some things like what happens when he's down three shots going to the back nine on Sunday. Maybe we're busting out the driver. We're trying some of that stuff. It definitely brings a new element kind of into the golf world that we haven't really had before. Ken, maybe it's uh, bad advice, but uh, people that reach out to me that are just starting to dip their toe, they want to bet a little bit on the PGA Tour uh, to see what it's like to get a sweat going. I, I suggest that they, they look to the matchups to start. Um, any sure. matchups that, that you really like this week? Uh, I've just I've started running my numbers, so I do have you know some bets to talk about. Basically, I first of all would 100% agree with that analysis. The when you're betting into a futures market, most futures markets at least, the hold, which is sort of like the bookmaker built-in advantage that you know basically uh, how much money they want to make from the market. Basically, that's how much mm-hmm. they'll put in is extremely high in you know outrights, which is the market to win the tournament, top five, top ten, top twenty, all these markets that people like betting into, you're actually just at a huge disadvantage when you're betting into most of them. Whereas a head-to-head where you can kind of see very clearly what the price displayed is, probably 20 cent lines, meaning minus 110 each way, maybe 30 cent lines, depending on where you play or whatever. At least you have a really good idea of just how the bookmaker is gouging you or if they're gouging you. So I would also recommend head-to-heads as just uh, that's the foundation. That's almost the end-all be-all, honestly, uh, of golf betting. That's where almost all of your bankroll should be should be tied if you are betting golf. I would always recommend head-to-heads. A yes. couple things that stand out. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm going to be bigger on Bryson than everybody else. He's even money against Rory for the full tournament. He's minus 120 against Justin Thomas for the full tournament. I'll have both of those. I'm very, very big on Patrick Cantlay this week, actually, versus – other golfers in that tier. So you'll find him against Justin Rose as a dog, actually. You'll find him as a dog mm. against Xander Shoffley, which I actually really disagree with. Cantley not only has kind of just class and form that is also the equal of these guys, but he also, in so many of the key statistics that kind of lend themselves to the course, is really exemplary. I mean, you look at, you know, strokes gained tee to green or strokes gained ball striking, really. You look at par four scoring. Uh, you know, birdie or better percentage putting, like all those kind of things. These are all things which when you bring them to this course in Connecticut, you tend to do a little bit better. And he thrives at basically all of them. His profile is excellent for this course versus these other guys. So can't lay a guy I haven't talked about. I mean, Bryson, we know about already, but he'd be another guy I'd kind of be looking at maybe a top 10 if you could find the right price, but really in some of these head to heads against these other guys. Uh, By the way, some news coming out. Charlie Blackman and two other Rockies have tested positive for coronavirus after workouts at Coors Field. Get used to those. It'll be a familiar refrain, I think, as we go forward here with professional sports. We're going to be hearing a lot of that. No question. Joe Ostrowski with Ken Barkley uh, talking about the PGA Tour this weekend. Uh, what, What else are you betting on right now, Ken? Anything coming up that you're looking at? Uh, in terms of golf or in terms of other sports or both? Just other sports. <laughs> Any, anything on the board? Uh, What's got your eye? Sure, sure. I've, I've, I've dabbled. I've, I've dipped my toe in the water on a lot of things during this hiatus, as I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> who are prone to betting have done. I've heard, I have friends who I used to work with at ESPN who have become the most degenerate horse racing players you could possibly imagine. I have an, I have kids during, you know, that I obviously, you know, kind of have during the day uh, with my wife. So I can't really, you know, dabble in the horses as much. Obviously we got two young kids running around. Can't really be cheering mm-hmm. at the track, but 
Uh, I would say I've gotten into esports a little bit, tried to model that, beat that, had some kind of mixed results with that, which has been kind of interesting. But the biggest thing for me has been NFL win totals and prepping work on that. I kind of became convinced that the NFL season is going to happen in some way, shape, or form and might actually happen all 16 games. I, I kind of I go back and forth on how confident I am in that, but let's just say I'm much more confident in that than in college football having full 12-game regular seasons where we could grade win total tickets. So I really started putting in a ton of work on NFL win totals, prepping my numbers for the NFL, and, uh, and putting in some bets there. I like to close in this segment with any advice because we have a lot of new bettors. Uh, this past Thursday, we got um, legal, mobile, and online launching with Bet Rivers, and that's going to continue over the next year. There are some that believe there's going to be 15 different books operating in Illinois at this time next year. A- any advice that you'd want to share with new bettors? Oh, man. I mean, just uh... – do, I, what do, you, do we have 45 minutes for me to answer this question? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know open-ended. it's a lot of, la- there's a, there's a lot of layers, but uh, we, we can, you know, this is probably a good long form conversation that we can have on the air at some point, but uh, just a couple like of, a 60 of second or a 90 second for the, for the casual people out sure. there. Let me give you like a minute here. Just again, you know, you brought it up and, and maybe people are like, well, don't, don't bail out at least answer the question. I, my, my quickest answer would just be, you know, why are you betting, basically? If you're betting because it's fun and you want to mess around and have action on a game, which is incredibly fun. That's why I bet horses sometimes and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I totally understand that I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's, you know, like when you play a slot machine, you bring a certain amount of money, you expect to lose all the money, then you won't be disappointed when all the money's gone. If that's you, I wish you the best of luck. It's, an, it's really fun. Betting on sports can be a very fun experience. If you're interested in taking it a little bit more seriously, uh, I would just say, Bankroll management would be the first thing, you know, set aside an amount of money and tell yourself that, you know, especially until you can quantify your edge effectively, you're going to only bet 1% of your bankroll on every bet that you make. And that way, no matter if you get too high or too low or too drunk, or you want to bet half timelines because you're down a million dollars, or you want to bet in play stuff like this will prevent you hopefully from a lot of those negative behaviors that, you know, kind of strike at a lot of casual betters. So, you know, bankroll management, and then also, I would pick one thing. Again, this is just if you want to take it a little more seriously. Last piece Mm -hmm. of advice. If you want to bet, just pick one market, one thing. Not even NBA. you got to get way more specific than that. Maybe not even totals. Maybe like third quarter totals or some really (laughs) obscure prop or something. And like absolutely dedicate yourself to becoming the expert of that very small thing. Like know more about that thing than anyone knows about anything. You know, become the absolute expert on runs scored in the first inning of a baseball game or how many RBIs players on the Orioles are going to get or something like that. And by getting that obscure, you will probably actually be able to gain a level of expertise faster that will allow you to beat that market than you would if you picked NFL games or NBA totals or something where the limits are astronomical and your competition is much more fierce. Give me something obscure that you focused on at some point in your betting career. And it worked out. Uh, there's a, an unnamed offshore where three years ago, I basically kind of cleaned them out on hockey props. So I was, all I was doing was just projecting saves for uh, teams, not even goalies, just saves for teams, shots on goal for specific players. Uh, I did some like goal assists scored yes, no stuff for hockey. Just again, I picked one, then I beat that, then I picked another, then I picked that. And I, I am not allowed to bet those particular bets at that particular uh, <laughs> place anymore as a result of 
of, of kind of, you know, taking some money off their hands. But that's the point. Once you're, once you get that confidence and you kind of know how the system works, okay, then you move up baby step by baby step. Okay. Then maybe you take yeah. a prop market in a bigger sport, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's kind of how you work your way up. And again, by starting small, like, you know, you just, you give yourself such a better chance of success that will give you the motivation to want to keep going. That's great advice. Ken Barkley at Lock Lockerson on Twitter. Thank you so much, Ken. It was fun. Absolutely, Joe. Thanks a lot. Appreciate we'll do this again uh, soon. As, as you can tell, he's got so much knowledge in the world of sports betting, and that's why he's on the You Better You Bet show. There's Ken Barkley going for three for three. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.